This is the Fedora Chronicles Network. You're listening to the Fedora Chronicles Radio Show, number 57, and I am your host, Eric Render King Fisk, with my co host, Doug Palumbo. In this podcast that we recorded on February 18th, we talked about the news of the week, including Kanye West going broke, the passing of a Supreme Court judge, and another anniversary for the Maltese Falcon. Before we get into the news, we talk about the nature of relationships and the memories of my mentor who passed away earlier this month. Just a quick reminder, this podcast is supported by listeners like you through paypal.me slash Chronicles. Whenever you click on an Amazon link on any of our pages and your purchases on zazzle.com slash Chronicles. Meanwhile, you can keep in touch with us on the Fedora Chronicles Twitter page and the Fedora Chronicles Facebook group. Look us up and drop us a line. With that said, let's get into it. Here is the Fedora Chronicles radio show number 57. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. But Don't you think that's weird that, that we're, we, we, we are very close? but yet we've only met each other in person like four times? No, I don't think it's... I'm having a Klondike bar right now, and if you were here, you'd have one too. I would, yes. Um, but don't you think that's... I mean, that's, I, 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 that, that clearly has to be a modern thing, oh. I would think. I mean, maybe people back in the, in, in, in the day were like that with 10,000. But it's like yeah. we've only met each other four times, about four or five times. Certainly not, yeah. you know, more than that. And it's like, but and we've known each other a long time. And it's and but I mean, I don't remember when we first uh, interacted, um, it, but it was definitely on on the internet that we interacted for the first time. And it was, uh, but Doug, it's been ten years, pal. It's been ten years. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's far too long. I need to, I need to do something to break this up because that's far too long. You you need to get a life, pal. Get a life. I need a life for sure. Oh my god. So speaking of life, um, really sort of have some really sad news to report. All right. But I was going to say before you, um, um, you know, get into what you wanted to say, I just wanted to mention that speaking about friends. People, I always see people say, I'm married to my best friend. And um, I don't I don't see my marriage to my... I mean, my, uh, there are very few people that know more about me. There's nobody that knows more about me than my wife. Right. I mean, literally, you know, um, all the ugly, you know, bad things that I've done, she knows about. And, you know, she's been there to... You know, pick up the pieces when I've been broken, you know, literally and figuratively. Yep. But, you know, I, I, I find that, that that phrase, I'm married to my best friend, odd. You know, um, it's not that I don't consider my wife a best friend. It's just that uh, I don't I don't see a relationship that way. You know, it's like... Um, you know, this is this is probably going to sound funny, and it, it might not come out exactly the way it is in my head. But like, uh, 
you know, my uh, best friend Kevin, I was his best man, and he was my best man. Right. And we've known each other a really long time. And uh, I've been with Lietta, um since the dawn of time, and I've known Kevin about two years longer. And um, so, you know, I, I guess, you know, she's definitely, she knows more about me even than Kevin does, but it's like, it's certainly more than you do. And it's not that I keep it private, it's just that, you know, I live with her, so she's going to see more of the things and experience more of, you know, me. But it's just, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just rambling, but I don't, I, I, I find that phrase odd. What, what about you? Well, I'm going to talk. You, you could be completely opposite, but that's just how I feel. No, because the thing is, <clears throat> is that Carol often says that um, uh, I, I, I'm her best friend. Um, and uh, I like to joke every once in a while. Uh, I like self-deprecating humor. I, I really do. And, do I. and I like to say, well, you need a better class of friends. Um, no, Carol is definitely my wife. I don't even, I don't even think that she's in the same category or at least I, I, if I, if I had like a piece of really good news or a piece of really bad news, um, it's it's a coin toss between who I'm going to call first, you or Carol, and it really depends on like what's going on and 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 where everybody is and what what time of day it is. If I know I, that, I will say that when it when it when it comes to Carol, although I I, I find myself, I I, I think of myself as very important. Um, I am more than okay with the fact of coming in second to Carol. Yeah, yeah, and the so, th- and the thing is, you is can like, always call her first. Okay, but I, I I I know in your heart who who you really want to call first. But it's okay if you call Harold first. Well, I'll t- I know who you really want to talk to first, and that's okay with. Me. Well, because because there are some problems, and I know that you're trying to be funny here. But the thing is, is that there are some things I can only talk to you about. I understand, and I feel the same way. And it's like, it's, you know, the, the, the whole best friend thing, it's like, um, and I think you were kind of going in that direction is that she's beyond my best friend. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's, it's, it's a relationship that this might sound, you know, corny or sappy, but it's like, it's a relationship that is beyond the, the, the confines of, of explanation. Exactly. And because, you know, words really aren't enough because we have experienced so much together that, you know, through highs and, you know, way lows and everything in between, it's, um, you know, saying that she's my best friend isn't sufficient enough. Right. And the thing is, this is not a case of cover our asses because, no, no, no we, we, we haven't done anything. We haven't done anything recently. That's gotten into us into real serious trouble with our wives that I know of. Not that I could think of. All right. So anyway, but so what I wanted to I, I talk to you about, and I think that this is like one of those things. Whereas, this is the only thing I could really talk to. I, I can only talk to maybe a handful of people about. Um, I, and I can have this conversation as part of a podcast, and I can have this this conversation. It's and it's like it's sort of like it's like it's you and me 
and whoever is at the other end of the of of the, these microphones. Right. And, and, and if you don't want to put this in the podcast, that's fine. No, no, I totally do. I totally do. And the thing is, is that it's 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 it. This is a conversation just between the three of us. It's between you, me, and the listener right now. Got it. And I mean that. And and the thing is, is that the people who listen and subscribe to our podcast are really important people to me. I mean, I mean that. I'm not just saying that. Oh, I believe it. And me as well, because I feel like as much as, you know, we don't record much, um, as, as much as we'd like the two of us, because, um, you know, stuff gets in the way with timing and stuff. But yeah. I feel like when it's, um, when, when it's the two of us on the show, you know, I always think of there's a third person. Right. And that's the listener. And I mean that. Like, I, I can... I can't see them, but I know they're there. And it's exactly, you know that they're there is important to me, and I know it's important to you because they are actually part of the show. Exactly, they're recording it, even though they're not physically with us. Whether it's one person or a theater full of people, I I, I feel as if that there is. It's like I owe it to them to give them the best show possible. And the thing is, is that, and this is going to be really, really sort of personal. It's between you, me. And the thousands of listeners that listen in on this mm-hmm. podcast, there's a reason why the, the the quality of the podcast is a little better than it could have been, and it's because of the audio board that I have, and it's because of the high quality um, microphones, and it's a high quality um, uh, soundboard. If I hadn't said it already, it's the it's it's the cables, the audio board. The microphone, the microphone stands, and all of that, in part, has a lot to do with a mentor of mine who used to run the AV room at Brattleboro Union High School in Brattleboro, Vermont, Mr. Fenning. The one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, Bradford Fenning. And um, it was not like, it wasn't just a place for geeks to hang out. It was where Mr. Fenning like, taught us a lot of things. And if we were going to set up for an assembly, and he was Old Navy, I'm not talking like the, the 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 chain of stores. Mr. Fenning was he was he was from the Cold War Navy. He was a salty dog. He was a salty dog. Oh boy, was he? Oh, was he a salty dog? Um, and um, and he taught me how to not only run a uh, an audio board, but to set up an audio board, and and how to unpack and repack. Uh, audio cables in such a way that if you treat your equipment right, your equipment will operate on day 365 just as well as they did on day one. Your equipment should last forever if you treat it right. And um, the lessons that he taught me on how to set up a, a set up microphones and give me an audio check and all like that, I learned that from Mr. Fenning. And, um, and he died, um, two Saturdays ago and I went to his, I did not know that. I'm sorry to hear that. I appreciate that. And the thing is, there's a lot of things to Mr. Fenning that I'd like to share with somebody. Um, was he sick? Uh, well, yeah, I think he died at the age of somewhere between 82 and 85. He lived a full life. He lived a full long life. Um, yeah, and uh, and I mean this when I say this. He was literally one of the best people I have ever known, 
And whenever I felt like misbehaving or being a jackass, I always thought to myself, how would Mr. Fenning um, think of this thing that I was about to do? And I'm not kidding. I really had those thoughts. Would Mr. Fenning appreciate or be proud of what it is that I, I'm, I'm about to do? That's a rare gift that he gave you then to have somebody like to have him in your life. Yeah, uh, because it's it's rare that, you know, we, we we have someone that even if whether they're past or whether we just have lost contact. Yeah, um, that when we do something that's good or bad or somewhere in between that we always think of, well, how would they react to this? Would they approve? Yeah. And not that we need their approval, but when someone is your mentor, you, um, you know, they, they are your guide, you know, whether it's they're there with you or not, they're your guide through life. And, um, yeah, I've been, I've been, um, exceptionally fortunate to have somebody like that in my life who they're now, they've been, um, you know, passed on for some time. Sure. But, um, I, I know what you're saying. And, and, and the thing is, is that he taught me a lot of things that I think that my dad should have taught me if my dad was around. He, he, he gave me my first driving lesson. And when I got behind the wheel and um, he got behind the wheel, he had said that, first of all, there's no way that you can screw up because he had like like one of those um, driver ed brakes on <laughs> on the passenger side. And he said, there's nothing that I could do. There's nothing I could do wrong because he wouldn't let me do anything wrong. But he said, Eric, that's funny. He said, Eric, you only have two jobs for the next 45 minutes. Not to kill me and not destroy this car. <laughs> this isn't a race. <laughs> You're not being chased. <laughs> this isn't a movie. You're not one of the Dukes of Hazards. <laughs> We're not running moonshine. <laughs> We're not running moonshine. <laughs> So your job is to make sure that I'm able to go home to tell my wife <laughs> with a good story. <laughs> and, um, and he also gave me my first golf lesson. And the thing is, is that we teed up um, in the parking lot of the, um, uh, of the high school. And because the thing is, and, and the goal was to hit the ball just right. So it would go soaring in between the goalposts on, on the other side of the parking lot in the field. And he had it all set up. And he said, Eric, there's, there's nothing wrong. You cannot do anything wrong. Just, just try to hit the ball. Just trying to hit the ball. Just try and hit the ball. And so it's like I swung. And the first three times I swung, I missed. And he said, look, it's no pressure, no pressure. Pretend I'm not here. No pressure. And then I finally, I finally swung so hard that, that the, it was the golf club that went sailing in between <laughs> the goalpost. <laughs> and he took, the, he took the, re, the remaining golf clubs and he says, Eric? Maybe golf isn't for you. <laughs> Have you ever thought about audio? <laughs> Eric, <laughs> here's a sport you might like, chess. <laughs> no, he didn't say that, but I think it would be funny if he did. And the thing is, is that it was like when my mom's boyfriend, the, the uh, neo-Nazi French-Canadian 
pedophile midget um, was just really giving me a hard time. Mr. Fenning would just sit down with me after the projects that we did. Because we also, we didn't just do audiovisual setups for the high school. We also did it for uh, other clubs in, in, in the region. And we also did it for the town hall, for the town meetings. And we would just sit down and we would just talk and like just sit down and have coffee and, and just have these lengthy conversations about just life in general. And he was the one of the people who had nominated me to go on the trip. I was supposed to go on the trip with the high school to go to the Soviet Union. This was at the at the beginning of the end of the Cold War. This was 1980. Right. I think it was 86. Uh, I think it was, you know, it was the um, it was the spring of 87. And I was getting all ready to go, and I was going to go to the Soviet Union. And the thing is, is that everybody was really excited because what was Eric going to write about? I've always been a writer. And, I've always, I, and I was going to write about the experience in a journal form. And everybody was like, what, what, what things are, uh, is Eric going to come back and, and, and share with us? And... Um, we went to, um, Mr. Mr. Lewis was the English teacher who was in charge of the whole thing. And he was kind of like, he was worried about my, he was worried about my personality, I was, as, as it were. Because, I mean, I, hey, listen, I wore a brown fedora back then, too. And I was a little outlandish, especially with, um, uh, with the way I dressed. Um, as, my, as my commander in the Navy told me once, as I'm sure they were thinking about you, that you're an international incident waiting to happen. <laughs> Do you really want a guy going to the Soviet Union wearing um, um, surplus World War II, Korea, Vietnam War, um, army fatigues and, and a brown fedora? Do you really want that? There was no leather jacket and, 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 and spandex? I was getting to that. Okay. And the thing is, is that, and Mr. Fenning had said, well, first of all, there's nothing wrong with a fedora. There's nothing wrong with a hat. I happen to like the hat. I, I wish more kids his age wore hats. And I wish more kids dressed the way he did. Eric does. Right. There's nothing wrong with the way that Eric dresses, except I can see the point about the fatigues. Eric will probably wear something a little bit more subdued, a little bit more, I don't know, shall we say conservative? And he thought, is like, Mr. Lewis is making a big deal about nothing. A couple of weeks later, I get called back into Mr. Lewis's office with Mr. Fenning. And I, I don't know if I've told the story on the podcast before, but there were these two guys from a government agency who stood behind Mr. Lewis, not saying a word, and saying, Eric, you can't go to the Soviet Union. And how, well, well, why the hell not? Turns out that my father... And how old were you at the time? Um, I think I was 17. Okay. Just about to turn eighteen, and um, and um, and they said your father was a part of a branch in the military, handling secret information or whatever like that. Yet he, he was like a um, uh, army radio intercept radio operator, and uh, no, you you can't go because you're a security risk. <laughs> you know. Like you said, I'm an I'm a, a international incident waiting to happen, literally because of my father's background in the military, right. handling secrets and whatever. And there was also... So and not, not to be, uh, you know, uh, 
you know, not to push the subject, but, you know, as, as we've discussed many times before, you know, we, we have very similar backgrounds. Yeah. And, uh, you know, your father's not there for you when you probably needed him the most. And now, you know, never having been there, he's, he's still taking something away from you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I, you have no idea how pissed I was. You, I mean, I, I, think it's, I think it's very rare that anybody, and I'm moving the microphone here if I make any noise, I, I, I don't think that anybody could really sort of understand how pissed off I was at my, at, at my dad. And it was understandable. And Mr. Fenning said, this is something I can't fix for you. I can't help you with this. I've done everything I could. I got you on the trip to the Soviet Union. But you know what? It's not the end of the world. And it's okay that you're not going to the Soviet Union. That just means you're going to do something else. Screw them. And I'm paraphrasing. That's not exactly what he said. I'm paraphrasing because it's 30 some odd years, I guess. I think it's literally 30 years now. And it was just like, and, and the thing is, is that it was like he taught me a lot of things. It's okay to make a couple of mistakes. It's not okay to keep making the same mistakes over and over again when I told you how to do it right the first time and the second time and the third time. It's okay to make a couple of mistakes, but it's not okay to make the same dumb mistakes. The only stupid questions there are in the world are the ones you should have asked. So did you, um, did you know that he passed and were you able to go to a service if they had one? Or oh, yeah, I did. I did, and I, and and the thing is, is that um, and I'm sitting, I'm I'm sitting at, you know, and I got, I I didn't mean to get there so early, and I wanted to sit as close to, um, the family as possible, but not, not not too close, you know. You know his wife. Uh, no, I think his wife, yeah, his wife had already passed away like a couple of years ago, okay. and I was sitting there, and I was like, I was really excited to see the other the other versions of me throughout the years, like all the other people who had also affected his, their lives, the way Mr. Fenning affected mine. I was really looking forward to seeing those people. And, and, and I just thought to, you know, it's like when you're sitting at, you're sitting waiting for a funeral to start or you're at a funeral, whatever. And, and, and you can't help but remember things that you totally forgot about this person from years ago. Sure. There are things about Mr. Fenning that I totally forgot about, and I, re and, and I was able to remember. And the thing is, is that from, I want to say, I want to say 80, from 83 to 87, um, he was the most important adult in my life at the time, second only to Jay Koreknik from the Via Gennady. Two of the most important male adult role models that I had in my life. And it was just like... Did he have children? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he had two daughters. And he had grandkids. And then it turns out that he had great-grandkids. Were and, you able to um, to uh, impart to them? Uh, I don't know. If yeah, I, 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 told, I, I told one of his grandsons. And it was the strangest thing because looking at, at his grandson that I was talking to, I was looking at a younger version of Mr. Fenning. They looked so wow. much alike it wasn't even funny. It was as if it was as if that I went back to to 1950 and said, "Hey, you don't know me yet." But in the in the 80s, you are going to be the most important 
adult in my life. Right up there with, with Jay Koreknik from the Via Condotti, the, the owner and operator of the restaurant, Mr. Blomgren, the art teacher, um, and Mr. Fenning, the three most important adults uh, in, in my life at the time. My three Ben Kenobis, as it were. And it was just like the only the, the one of the, the I think the biggest regret that I have in my life from my youth is the way I left. I, I wish I didn't leave in a hurry the way I did. I wish I had the chance to say adios. And it was just like that's the one thing that sort of held me back the entire time is because I really did not. I didn't want to go back and I didn't want to get a lecture from them about how you know I shouldn't have left the way I left. I really, and right. I, I, I you, didn't. Um, I didn't want that sorry, lecture. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't want that negativity. And and the yeah. thing is, I didn't want to hear them. I didn't want to hear them say that they were disappointed in me because I literally, Doug. I I I literally, you know, June seventeenth, nineteen eighty seven. I I disappeared. I I literally just disappeared. Well, at that time, that was the way your life was. It wasn't necessarily in town. I'm not making excuses for you. I wasn't there, but, you know, shit happens in our lives where it's like, it's the way our lives go, and we have to yeah. sort of go on that journey. Because had you not gone on that journey, you know, you wouldn't be who you are today. I don't even think I would have survived, Doug. I, I if, if I didn't leave when I left, I don't, I don't think, I, th I don't think that I would have been able to survive. I know, and that's, you know, so in some regards, it was the right thing to do, yeah. just under the wrong circumstances. And um, we were able, ever able, you know, from when you left to two weeks ago, ever go visit him or no? No, I mean the thing is, I didn't know where he where he lived, and and the th and here's another thing, and I and I thought about this, and I thought about this on on the day that he passed away. Um, the only person I went back to see was Jay Koreknik from the Via Condotti. He's the only he's the only person that I that I ever went back to see, and it was just like because one of the things one of the things I didn't want to do, and I I'm, and I mean this, what if Mister Fenning had um an, another apprentice, another another me, as it were? I didn't I didn't want to encroach on on that person's time with Mister Fenning. Does that make any sense? It makes perfect sense, but I think. Um... You know, that's the wonderful thing about um, somebody like him is that, you know, it wouldn't have taken anything away from had he had a new student, a new Eric, um, that wouldn't take away from you and that wouldn't take away from them. Right. It's just, you know, it's just a, a temporary, you know, um, uh, you know, meeting to, you know, exchange you know, what's been going on in your lives. But, right. you know, it, it's actually, you know, there's there's a lot of regrets I have, too, with, from the past, the things I should have done, or like you maybe should have tried to reach out or whatever. And But it's, uh, you know, it, that, that's a hard thing to, to come to terms with when you know maybe you should have done something and you didn't. Right. Um, or vice versa, not done it when you, you know, did and um, it's like, you know, it, it, it takes a while. You never, they, they, they say, you know, you know, time heals all wounds, but 
and that's true. But you you never forget, and yeah. you it it gets easier to accept, you know. But you you never forget. You know, I should have, I maybe should have done that. You know what I mean? I absolutely, but absolutely. That's yeah. why you now you are who you are because of your, you know, failures and triumphs, and you know, um, I think you know he would. Uh, see who you are now i'm not saying that you know i don't i didn't know him right yeah i think he he would be satisfied with uh who you've become i hope so i really i really honestly hope so and i think i know the people that know you like the people that really know you i know them and i know that you know they like you so clearly this uh uh this, you know, your this teacher, your your mentor, everything that he was to you, he, uh, you know, you attract a certain kind of person, and um, you know, as we all do, and sometimes it's not good. But sure. Through life, we 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 filter that out, and in 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 the end, I know the kind of person that that is attracted to you, and that you know, that that are the good kind of people. And he clearly was one of those. And he'd be, I think, quite proud of who you've become. I appreciate you saying that. And I think that... Um, I, I, I hope that there is someday, some way, someone is looking back and saying that I'm... I, you know, I hope that I can be some... I, I, I hope I can be the thing that Mr. Fenning was to me, to, to somebody else. I hope I can be yeah. somebody else's Mr. Fenning. And I think that that's the important thing about, you know, uh, getting older, you know, because, you know, I've crossed the threshold. I'm, I'm past I'm past 45 now. Uh, you know, I'm 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 well into this middle aged gig. And I think the thing is, is that one of the most important thing is that you got to be careful how you treat people. And I mean it when I say this. You really have to be careful how you treat people. Because the thing is, is that it was just like, um, I was listening to a little bit of Rush Limbaugh today. And Rush Limbaugh kept saying this phrase over and over and over again. And he kept saying that people will not remember everything that you said. People will not remember everything that, they, that you did. But everybody will remember the way they, that you made them feel. And um, true. everybody... and. Um, and that's something that you, that that you will you have no idea what effect you have on certain people until 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 much later in time and sometimes when it's just too late and it was just like and sometimes you'll never know cuz it could be a stranger it could be a chance happening somebody could be having a you know a real shitty day and you hold the door open for them or you know, when they, when they, you know, at, at the store and you smile and say good morning or you, um, you know, say, no, go ahead, you can go ahead of me. Whatever it is, little acts of kindness and, and, and little, you know, small acts of, of decency and humanity um, go a long way. And I know people that have done stuff like that to me, I remember them still. And it was, yeah. like I said, a brief encounter, maybe lasting several seconds at the most. And it's like it. It made a difference, and um, you know those little, you know, sure, big events change your life and have the potential to, uh, you know, alter your personal history. 
But I think more more importantly, it's the little things in life that that really shape who you are. You know, the big things happen, but the little things are are like focused on you and, and, and they change you. Right. And those are the things that that really like I guess it shape who you're who you are and in turn lay the foundation of who you're going to be. And so you're right, you know, they don't they are going to remember how you made them feel. Yeah. Good or bad. Yeah. It's, it's important to to be mindful of yourself, not in a selfish way, but be mindful of yourself so that you can in turn be more mindful of others. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, anyway, um, one of the things that I have started to do on all of the podcasts on the Fedora Chronicles Network is I like to do this segment of the news, and I like to just read strange news stories. I, I, I will say that I used to be a huge news file, and, uh, you know, Every I read and look at and watch the news and listen to the news on the radio and uh, anything that I could get, politics, local news, national news, international, I, I just devour it. And I, I find myself, the older I get, the less I want to read the news. And not because it's all bad, but it's because I just don't, I, I find myself caring less because what they... Um, there, there are some good articles out there, right? And, and and some important stories to know, but it's so muddied by you know, uh, it's it, it's so muddied and and confused with what this starlet is doing and who's dating who and and you know um, what what's happening on this you know crappy reality show and all this stuff is like muddying you know, the, the, the airwaves, it's like, so I've, you know, I, I, I try to get my news from alternative sources so that it's slightly less, um, you know, um, confused and a little more focused and, and, and clear as it used to be. Exactly. You know, and well, that... so, I mean, we've always been as a culture, we've always been interested in, you know, celebrities and and all the stuff that kind of, you know, uh, the the news candy, you know, not real news, but the news candy that we like to gossip about around the water cooler at work, um, if they still have water coolers at work. Right. And um, it's like, the older I get, the less tolerant I am of that stuff, you know? So it's like, I, I really try to look at, and it's so hard to filter through the crap that... Uh, you know, I've I, I've I've lost interest, and that's, that's bad of me to say. I, I should be a better person than that, but uh, I, I have I, I've lost interest. So that's why I enjoy when we talk. That um, I, I get a little. It, you you do the work for me, so to speak, <laughs> and then all the all the good stuff gets through. So go ahead. All right. Well, here we are. Um, I'm going to just do some news that that. Um, the people in the Fedora Chronicles um, forum, the electric speakeasy, care about and things that I think that are important to you and me and everybody else. So here I am. I'm First of all, the most important news coming out of the the world of Hollyweird is that um, I'm ripping this off from my new favorite non-Fedora Chronicles website, MakingStarWars.net. And right here off the top, 
filming begins on Star Wars Episode Five, six, eight. Episode eight. Filming begins on Star Wars Episode eight. Big huge yeah, announcement. I did see that. All right. Now, um, I know that we. I, let, let, let me stop you there for okay. a second because it's not because you just mentioned Star Wars and I said about all the crap that gets muddied up. There is a place for it. Right. You know I mean, but when it becomes the main story of like any news broadcast, when, when they lead with, you know, what did Kanye West say today? I don't care. Well, I I, going I, on in the Middle East. Well, that, with that story. Well, that that's one of the news stories I wanted to tackle later. But anyway, okay. Here but we. They, those the the, the the fluff pieces have their place. Not they shouldn't take the place of news. They have their place in news, and that's where people get you know uh, mixed up. But go ahead. All right. So the thing is, is that we saw that um, filming has begun on Star Wars Episode Eight. And the first thing that we saw is exactly where Star Wars Episode Seven um, uh, late um, leaves off. off. Where yeah, I mean, exactly? Where we see Luke Skywalker and Rey at the at the at the at the top of this uh, um, well, island. Well, if, if if you for some reason haven't seen Star Wars yet, um. Don't listen. But go ahead. What? Uh, well, you've had more than two weeks. No, I'm sorry, two months to see The Force Awakens. Um. So there you go. And the thing is, is that it picks up exactly right where, um, uh, the uh, Force Awakens leaves off, and they I had like a whole bunch of casting news and whatever. And all I can tell you is that I'm excited. You know what? I'm not going to lie to you. I am excited for the next Star Wars movie. But the next Star Wars movie is not Episode Eight. It's Rogue One. And I have no idea where to begin with Rogue One. Once again, please, I'm asking you nicely to go and um, I'm not getting paid. This isn't a paid commercial, whatever. Um, uh, making Star Wars has some of the best news um, on this topic. And let me see here. And um, they also have a section. How they get the plans for the Death Star for Return of the Jedi, correct? No. Um, it, it takes place. Or is it for A New Hope? A New Hope. Oh, okay. Excellent. And the thing is, is that um, there is, and this is, this is, this is between the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels and A New Hope. And the thing is, is that they, um, one of the heads of Disney says that he has seen the rough cut of the movie. And he says that it is absolutely, totally phenomenal. And that it, means they're going to be, they're, they're going to have Darth Vader. They're going to have like a lot of characters that, or potentially characters that we haven't seen for a long time or that are no longer in the franchise because they were killed by their son. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in here. And the <laughs> thing is, is that I'm not going to spoil anything, but the thing is, is that looking at some of the costumes, like the, um, some of, some of the troopers that they have in this movie. And the thing is, is that you look at some of these and it's like, are they stormtroopers? Are they something else? It's, it's just incredible. It's it's just we could see like we could potentially see with these other movies like this how Han met Chewbacca or how Lando gets the Millennium Falcon or how Han gets the Millennium Falcon from Han or you know uh, Boba Fett 
after Revenge of the Sith, but before New Hope, you know, and it's like all these really cool stories that they could kind of fit in there. Yeah. It's awesome. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of images here that are pre-New Hope, and it was just like, see, I mean, this, this, is, and, and this is what I said. This is what I've said for years is that um, allow people to make stories within the Star Wars universe. You don't even have to call it Star Wars. It can be whatever, whatever. No, who cares? And allow people to make movies within this, in, within this universe and just have fun with it. But, I mean, and here's the thing, and, and um, I want to be careful how I say this. The thing is, is that I want to see if whether or not Star Wars can handle really tough gritty movies they gotta be careful with that though because they're sort of, i mean even though it's disney i know Revenge it's disney it's probably the darkest of all the movies in terms of like the subject matter and stuff you know it was still you know for a lot of people okay to watch like you know if they go too dark that that that, that takes them out of the star wars um formula so to speak you know right. what i mean so they i think they're they're sort of um hobbled by their own success in that they have to maintain a a, a, a certain level of of um oh what would, what would you say they they can't go too far in one direction in, in terms of the darkness or the grittiness or the violence or any of that they have to keep it under a certain threshold it sort of has to be a fairy tale in space and that's what disney is perfect for See what a director like Quentin Tarantino could do in the Star Wars universe. No, I mean, although romantically I like the idea of that, I don't. It, it just wouldn't work. Well, maybe not Quentin Tarantino, but a a Quentin Tarantino type of director, somebody who was really far and out there. I'm not. I'm not saying make a a Star Wars version of Pulp Fiction. I am saying. So, would you be like? Would you like an R-rated version of Star Wars? I'd I would like to see how the world would handle an R-rated version of Star Wars. I think, by definition, Star Wars cannot be R-rated. I think. The, I mean, it certainly could be. I mean, there there are subjects that they could tackle, and they could certainly be more violent. I mean, you know, the Clone Wars were, you know, like I said, the Revenge of the Sith was, was pushing it when Anakin kills the whole. Whole room full room of full kids, children. You know, and they don't show it, but it's certainly implied. Well, it's, and it's yeah, like, yeah, it you is. Know, uh, you know, it, it, if they were to show stuff like that, I think that <clears> might be a little too much for Star Wars. Well, point point well taken. And another news item in the realm of uh, Hollyweird. You had already mentioned Cayenne West, or what is it, Kanye or Kanye? I got some more ideas that don't involve shoes. But if you guys are investing in the arts, mm -hmm. y'all want to invest in this school in Brazil, y'all want to go to Africa, I'm standing up and I'm telling you I am Warhol. Kanye. I'm, uh, Kanye West. Kanye West says that... Uh, I am the number one most impactful artist of our generation. He needs, uh, he needs like, I think he said, I thought it was a weird number, $42 million dollars. To be able to bring beautiful ideas into the world, I am Shakespeare in the. And a lot of people Wait, say he spend his own money. 
Is he? And now all these people are like wondering: Is Kanye West bankrupt? I am Shakespeare in the flesh. Well, I mean, I don't know much about them, thankfully. But what I what I do know is that they spend money on really expensive things, and it's like maybe he just doesn't have it anymore. Walt Disney, Nike, Google. I don't know. I honestly don't care. I mean, nobody's going to give him money. I don't care. Well, oh no, you don't know that. Now, who's going to be the Medici family and stand up and let me create more? You don't know that. I, That's I, the I sick part. Know, but when you constantly tell people you're the greatest and you're the best. Or do you want to marginalize me till I'm out of my moment? And I don't listen to his music. I've never heard one song of his from beginning to end. Um, but when you keep telling people you're the best, you're the best, you're the best, and you really, you know, and, and you insult Others that have come before you that you are better than them, it's okay to have high aspirations, but you know, you gotta be careful whose toes you step on and, and, and which bridges you burn. It seems like he's starting to do that, and people are starting to like wise up and go, you know, screw him, you know. And I just don't, I think people are starting to become, you know, tired of his um, antics. To go you ain't got the answers, man. I think that. The entire notion is that a celebrity is telling other people that he needs their money to bring his beautiful ideas into the world is really sort of the the pinnacle, I think. It's the pinnacle of hubris. If you had a beautiful idea, anybody, if you anybody had a beautiful idea, anybody at all, but here's a perfect example. I'd like a quarter of a million dollars to build a big, huge facility out in the middle of the woods here in New Hampshire so I can really, really produce a better quality podcast. I could go to Shark Tank and I could present my ideas and and see if I could get anybody to sign on and say, oh, a quarter of a million dollars? No, buddy, I think you're going to need half a million dollars. Um, if you have such a great idea, people would be lining up at your door to say, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll invest in that. Sure, Mr. Edison, I'd love to invest in your research and finding an electric candle, that kind of thing. But the thing is, is that you need to spend other people's money. And then he had the hubris to come on and say that successful people know the secret is to not to spend your own money. <laughs> well... <laughs> I, you know what? I'm sorry, and I'm not bragging here because this is a labor of love. But um, that's that, that a lot different. You know, him, him, him saying that is, is is very similar to. I hate to get you know political in this, but like you know, oh, we're going to pass the health care bill. Uh, we're not going to let you read it. We're going to pass it first, and then we'll let you read it. Yeah, you know that's like what he's saying. Give me the money first, and then I'll tell you what my ideas are. It doesn't work like that. And that's that's just it. it it makes no sense with the health care bill, and it makes no sense for him. And it doesn't surprise me that it doesn't make any sense for him because he just doesn't make any sense for me. So anyway. Um, I, I'm really happy for you. I'm going to let you finish. But Beyonce had one of the best videos of all time. Justice Scalia had um, passed away. And, yes. and we even have a thread on this on the electric speakeasy. And... Um, it's sad and it's unfortunate that um, his his passing away has become um, a political hand grenade, and we're all playing hot potato trying to figure out um, who's responsible for doing what. 
um, should Obama appoint somebody or should he not? And what does the Constitution say? And the Constitution is a little like the Bible, whereas, well, it, it says what you what you want to believe it says. You'll, it's, it's, it's up for interpretation, as it were. I, I don't think I'm one of these people yet, Doug. Um, a lot of people are saying that, that there's some kind of conspiracy going on. Regarding he, what? Well, the idea that um, allegedly he died with a pillow over his head in the home or the result that a resort that is owned by political fundraiser and contributor for the Obamas and the Democrats. And the thing is, is that there are some conspiracy theorists out there who are trying to say that this is foul play. And I can, I can almost understand why they would say that, but I'm not sure if I'm sure, on board with them. You have to be reasonable and say, how old was he? What was he? Was he was he in his late seventies, early eighties? So he's well within the, the the age of of dying, you know, of you know bad things happening all the time. It can happen to anybody of any age. But when you're that when when you get to be that age, you know, you can die of strange things all of a sudden. Exactly. And, or not even strange things. You can die of natural causes all of a sudden. You know, people that are physically active and fit and you know in their you know, late 30s, early 40s, and they're in physical, can you know, perfect condition, can drop dead of a heart attack or develop lung cancer, never have smoked before. So it's not out of the question that somebody in his late 70s, early 80s can die. And, um, um, you know, you know what conditions he was found in, I don't know. Maybe he was washing his face, you know what I mean? And he fell and the towel was on him. I mean, there's lots of explanations, but... Um, you, you could always come up with a reason for somebody to kill somebody else in the political um, world. Um, yeah, you know, there's 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 always something you've done, and there's always somebody that would want to um, see you gone. But I I seriously doubt that there was foul play involved. But again, I could be wrong, and but it it doesn't surprise me that that there are conspiracy theories out there about this. No autopsy was done. And the thing is, is that the medical examiner determined cause of death over the phone. And, um, and how do we know this as fact? Oh, well, only because it's being reported in the news. There, uh, we have on the Fedora Chronicles forum, the electric speakeasy, we have many news items linked um, in, the, in that topic. Um, Will be uh, he there apparently it turns out that there is um was he sick it, apparently it turns out there was a whole bunch of health issues that uh, went underreported because of course we don't want to get into a frenzy on who's going to re, uh, replace him before he's dead but now that he's dead um that's kind of scary it, we should we should know if he's sick because or anybody of whether it's the president or anybody who has a very um, sensitive job, you know, like a justice of the Supreme Court, yeah. um, and who works for the people. I mean, if they get sick, you know, there's personal things you can say. You don't have to maybe give full details, but I think it's it's valid and and, and, and fair that you know we demand we the people demand that you know public figures that work for us, you know, in government. Yeah, and they're like let's say president, vice president justice of the supreme court if they get sick or something happens to them and they are unable to fully 
do their jobs, we should know about it. A, a, a frenzy or, you know, people panicking, who's going to do their job? We should know. We, we need to live through that panic so that we can, you know, not be in that panic after the fact when we're trying to, like, make up for lost time. Had we known about it, you know, we could have possibly been more prepared. And here, here's another thing. I, I, I'm amazed at all the people who come out of the woodwork claiming to be constitutional scholars. And a lot of people are saying what Bo, um, uh, Barack Obama can do, should do, whatever. And I, I'm even doubting the, the source material, um, NPR. But somebody said on, on NPR today, on a show I was listening to, because I did a lot of driving today, pal. We don't have to have nine justices on the bench. We could have 18 justices on the bench. We could have, we could have only six or seven. We, we could go as low as five, three if we wanted to. There's nowhere in the Constitution, according to this expert, that we need a specific number of justices. Then how do we arrive at nine? Um... Oh, geez. Somebody before Franklin Delano Roosevelt divined the fact that there were supposed to be nine. And I'm sure that somebody is going to comment on this on the show notes page of uh, of this podcast. Do. I hope they do. Why do we have to I have nine? It, whatever the number is, I think it should be an odd number. That's for sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that, you know, I just think that makes more sense in terms of, uh, you know, tie breaking. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's sickening that, you know, whatever, if we're talking about the, the courts, that, you know, they, they try to, like, maneuver now who's more conservative, who's more liberal. It's like, how about just somebody who's kind of middle of the road? You know what I mean? And, you know, somebody that, you know, I don't want somebody who's ultra-conservative or ultra-liberal. That doesn't matter where I am on the spectrum. You know, I want somebody right in the middle. That is neither one way or another that can look at things, you know, with potentially fewer abstractions to their to their opinion and, yeah. you know, give a, a more fair and honest judgment on something. Yeah, uh, I was I was reading and I don't you know, I'm, my my memory isn't what it used to be. But, you know, that they some people are saying, wait until the new president comes in. OK, there's, you know, 10 months left to go nine and a half months left okay um i'd be okay with that i mean we should get somebody but um and then they're saying you know but you know the you know republicans would block anybody that obama might try to put in there and probably they would but then what about when bush was leaving office i think he had what 18 months left to go yeah and and obama wanted uh, i think it was then senator obama wanted to uh you know, wait until he was out of office and then, you know, put somebody else in? Am I not mistaken? No, I mean, the thing is, is that, look, Republicans are going to do what Republicans do and Democrats are going to do what Democrats do. And the thing is, is that, and this happens every time there is some, there is a new Supreme Court justice. I remember there being a big, huge, oh my God, Sandra Day O'Connor? Oh my God, she's a woman! Oh, my God. Oh, it's the end of the country. Oh, clutch my pearls. It's always, it's, this is when you get to see the ugliest side of politicians on, mm-hmm. on any side of the aisle. 
no matter what side of the aisle it is, this is where the real ugliness comes out. I remember the confirmation hearings for Clarence Thomas with the whole thing with Anita Hill. Somebody had said that, wouldn't it be funny if Obama appointed Anita Hill to the Supreme Court and imagine the conversations between Anita Hill and Clarence Thomas behind the chamber doors? That would be funny. That would be that'd be a comedy. Um, but the thing is, is that it, it, it's the same game played over and over and over again. When Clinton had, had to appoint somebody, it was, oh, my God, who is he going to pick? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, the sky is falling. The sky is falling. I mean, does it matter? Yeah, it matters. It's like the Democrats want somebody who is so far to the left. They make, they make hippies in Greenpeace look conservative and conservatives want somebody so far to the right or they just want to put anybody in and and they don't they don't want to put up a fight at all it's one extreme or another and no matter who that's one thing i never understood about that sorry to interrupt but it's like you know like like you said they want each side wants an extreme to their side to you know kind of rule things in their favor so they look good but what about somebody who's a, you know, constitutional attorney or like an expert in the Constitution? And like, is it going to, like I said, I don't want an extreme on one way or another. I want somebody who's going to give an unbiased, not interpretation of the law, not interpretation of the Constitution or what they um, think might be. I want them to say what this is the law. This is the Constitution. This is what this law states specifically. You know, I don't want somebody one way or another, you know, even though it might benefit my beliefs. You know, I want somebody who's fair and honest and down the middle of the road and doesn't sway to, but again, you know, those are pipe dreams that will never come true. No, it's it's never going to come true. You know, we, we, as a people, we, we should not want that. We should want, like I said, somebody who's going to just not interpret. I mean, they have to interpret, but you know what I mean? Not interpret what they think, but state what is fact, whether I, people like it or not. And that I, they, you know, when they legislate from the bench is, and which happens most often, whether it's the Supreme Court or, uh, you know, some local court, and that's you know when we run into a lot of problems. Exactly, and when it gets into when it gets to legislating morality and trying mm-hmm. to figure out, well, the thing is, is that um, I read the Constitution. I'm going to just take the Second Amendment. And I'm wincing when I do it because I know people are going to take an issue with this. You have some people who read the Second Amendment to read one way, meaning everybody. Everybody is entitled to as many guns as they want. You can have as many guns as you want so long as um, you do so lawfully. And even some of the laws are against the Constitution, according to some of these people. And then you have um, then you have the other people who read the Constitution, the Second Amendment, and says, no, no, that's only about militias. It's only about militias, period. And because we have the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard... Um, National Guard. Did I already say National Guard? Since we have already have all those, we don't need a militia. 
We don't need a civilian-run militia. And then that gets into a whole thing about, you know, oh, well, it's like, what about a totalitarian state? And what about, you know, you know history? And what happens when you confiscate guns and all like that? And you have this, and you have this, this, this merry-go-round. You have these people, and then, right. sh- and then, shit, gets, then shit gets personal. And then things get, like, really mean and nasty. Or it's like the whole issue on abortion. And the thing is, is that it was like you have some people who passionately feel one way, and then you have people who are passionate on the other, and they can't even look each other in the eye when they're in the same family, and they can't even, like, be at the same table for Thanksgiving over something to do with politics. And it's that that kind of mindset, whereas you're going to take that mindset where you have these extreme views and you are so concrete and you are like, you know, you are like digging your heels and you, you you know, you're not going to budge on this issue. And it was, and the whole idea of, you know, the, the president is going to appoint someone to the Supreme court. That's going to legislate for, to the bench and, and just to screw with the people who don't like me. And, and it makes me sick to my stomach every time that there's a Supreme Court justice. And some woman was saying on the Diane Rehm show today, saying that, oh, it's going to be really exciting for the next couple of months. Yeah, it's going to be like grab the heartburn medicine and it's going to be like white knuckle driving. And it is and it is awful. Tried for sure. It is the ugliest side of American politics whenever one of these people not to change the subject, but I'm going to change the subject. Um, getting back to entertainment for a second, you had posted a link, um, on my Facebook page about the Maltese Falcon being back in theaters to celebrate the 70th, 75th anniversary of the movie's release. You're welcome. Is it, is it going to be in a, um, a theater near you? Uh, well, here's the thing. It is in a theater near me whenever I want it to be. Thanks to the power of DVD. And I'm literally, and I kid you not. I literally have the Maltese Falcon DVD 65th anniversary special edition sitting on my but desk. Have you ever seen it on the big screen? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw oh, you it. have? Oh, I, I've seen it on the big screen. Um, oh, so many times in the 80s. I, I, can't, I can't even remember. 70s and, yeah. Oh, wow. No, I'm sorry. The 80s and 90s. Um, there was, I don't know if it's still there or not. Um, I saw it a couple of times at the Brattle Theater. In Cambridge, Massachusetts, um, I also saw it when they had movies on that on the half shell in uh, uh, in uh, uh, Boston Common or um, uh, in Boston. Um, if my local library played anything by Bogart, um, I was there. Um, oh no, I've, I, it, it's and it's a great experience to see it um, in a room with other people. It's a it's a great experience to see it with people who have never seen it before. Um, I have to admit, I've seen that, but it's been so long since I've seen it that I don't remember like exactly what happens. I think it's a gr- I think this would be a great excuse for you to come up north, and we should actually post this on our website on our official Maltese Falcon page, um, which we need to update. By the way. Um, no, I, th- I, th- I, you know, I'm, I'm of two minds. I think that there are some classic movies that you should always see on the big screen whenever you can. 
other mindset of, um, you know, the thing is, is that I have the DVD. Um, has it been released on Blu-ray? Huh? I don't know if has it has it or not. I, I don't know if it has or not. And the thing is, is that, but here's the thing. My TV is really awesome. The new TV that we have, we've been re-watching all of our favorite movies again for the first time on this TV. And it was just like, um, nothing really beats the experience of sitting on the couch next to your spouse and watching this movie and being able to, if you have to stop it and you have to go pee, get up and go pee. I love and, that. And start it up again. I, I, I don't like going to the movies anymore because it's like, why? I can, like you said, I can pause it. I can rewind if I could. I don't know if it's age or what. I mean, I'm only 42, but I, I, I don't hear things the same way any, yeah. anymore. So, like, oftentimes I'm like, what'd they say? Like, and it's like a quick, they like, they'll, they'll say a line really quick. I, I, it just doesn't register in my head. So I got to rewind it. I can't do that in the theater. I got to lean over to my son and go, what did he say? And he's like, oh. Exactly. He what he said. Yeah, Doug, I think it's time for so, us to I think it's time for us to upgrade our miracle ears. I think it is. I also think it's time to look at the uh look at the show clock. Oh no, we are, we well I will I, here's here's the thing and I'm going to I'm going to leave this as a caveat as the end of the show whether it's Raiders of the Lost Ark or the Maltese Falcon, any of the Star Wars movies. It's great going to see the movie with diehard um fans of the movie. I would love to be able to go see the Maltese Falcon with a whole bunch of fellow retrocentrics or retronauts, whatever we're calling ourselves. And and really, I would love to see a whole bunch of people show up in costume to see this. And I'm going to have an, it's going to, it's, and here's the thing, it's going to be a tough sell to my wife. I think that, I think it would be the, the, the absolute perfect thing to do is to just say, it, it's like, if you're going to be there, I'm going to have a link on this web page's show notes, mm-hmm. and um, you know what? Maybe we will show up if, it, if it's playing near you. I, I'd like to see you go like with, with the boys and Carol, and uh, you know, and you know, to, to document the experience because there is as much as I don't like going to the movies any, anymore because of people. I it's so contradictory. I love going to the movies like you said, when it's an event film, because of the communal experience, because the people that are there want to be there. And it's just that, like, you know, when you're at, like, just some movie, you know, there's always somebody kicking your seat or, you know, the floor sticky or whatever it is. But when, you know, you go to a nice theater and it's with... It's the best. Like, like, you, like you said, diehard fans that want to be there. Everybody's respectful. Everybody has a good time. And that that communal experience really enhances the film. I'm only going to here, I'm going to I'm going to leave this at the end of the at the end of the podcast on this note. And I'm going to say that if I know that there are a whole bunch of diehard Bogart fans, vintage aficionados, retronauts, and we're going to have a great time before and after the movie, I would love for mm-hmm. there to be a cocktail party after the movie with fans. That'd be fun. With fans not only of Humphrey Bogart and the Maltese Falcon, but fans of um, fans of Dashiell Hammett. And speaking of Dashiell Hammett, you and I have to talk about the 75th anniversary of the Maltese Falcon, and we even need to talk about the other great works of Dashiell Hammett in a future show. I think that that is a great show. It is going to be a great show. I think that's I honestly I think that that should be our next show. I'll rewatch before the next show. I'll rewatch the Maltese Falcon and have it fresh in my mind, and then we'll uh, 
we'll have like a like a, like a tribute episode. I think that I it, I think it's a date. I think that it is a date. So uh, we definitely need to do this again once a week. Now that the Christmas holiday seasons are over and flu season is over and all like that, we got to get back to our weekly schedule. And I will um, leave it on this that. Uh, if you're listeners to this podcast, we, we we thank you, and we really mean it that you are part of the show, whether you know it or not. Um, write in with your questions and comments, and um, don't forget to tune into um, the other show on the Fedora Chronicles Network, the Metaphysical Connection. Um, Eric and Walt do a great job of exploring all kinds of uh, weird and outlandish ideas and theories and uh but you know what they always bring it around and as as out there as it may seem some of these uh topics and ideas there's always something in there to hold on to that you know could it be true and uh, yep. i'm I, and i love the show i'm not gonna lie even though i i i yell at the at my um well i i listen to the show on my phone but i i you know yell at myself when i'm listening to it my wife looks at me like i'm crazy that you know i'm like no you're not thinking of it right yeah think of it this way (laughs) uh, well crap that's uh that's where doug and i got disconnected for whatever reason he was uh calling in while he's out on assignment for the podcast but uh one thing i will let you know is that uh afterwards we had a conversation about the about this very same topic about uh doing some hybrid shows with the Fedora Chronicles and the Metaphysical Connection podcasts. And uh, we talked about a a lot of other things that we had planned for uh, the near future. So anyway, Doug, I know you're listening. And um, thank you for your kind words about our other podcast on the Fedora Chronicles Network. And uh, also want to send out a special shout to my friend Jenny, who uh, contributed to the show in her uh, very own special way. Um, thank you very much, Jenny. That was very. Once again, this has been the Fedora Chronicles radio show. You can support us by making a donation via paypal.me slash Fedora Chronicles. We thank you in advance for any support you have to offer. You're the reason why we do this show and we appreciate your help in keeping the lights on. You can also support the show by buying our products at zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. We have countless of products with our logos on them, and we also take special requests. If you have an idea for a product, design, slogan, whatever, let us know. You can also support the Fedora Chronicles radio show by clicking on any of our Amazon links. Once you click, just shop as you always do, and we just get a little something back as a thank you with no added cost to you. You can get in touch with us via the Fedora Chronicles Twitter and Facebook pages. That's a great way to suggest future topics, tell us what you like about the show, or just keep in touch. We'll even read some of your comments on the air. Finally, thank you once again for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. This is Eric Renderking Fisk signing off. Keep your chins up and your fedoras on. <laughs>